Welcome back to Worship Weekly. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and most importantly, share Worship Weekly with someone else this week. This week's message is Look For Him. This will be the first of two-part sermon. But first, the Scotland Evangelical Presbyterian Church Choir.
Father, we ask you might bless this sermon to bless nurture that you might just nurse our soul and heart and mind with it. Now, thank you for it. And I ask you might just bless this sermon that whoever listens to it, some of them will get saved if they're not saved. If they're not right with God, they get back right with God. The backslidden Christian, I ask you might just speak to their heart. So, Father, because we're going to face Jesus one day face to face. And he's coming back. That's the next thing on his menu. He's coming back to get us. And I just pray, God, they tell and they on their heart that he's coming back. Look up because he's coming back. In Jesus' sweet name, I ask you to bless this. This is on, um, this is on my anniversary, 61st year anniversary. I went to and bought my wife a bouquet of flowers and brought her back and left it under the lamp. And she's seen them one ago. Loved them. And I got her a breakfast. I asked that you might just thank you for keeping us together 61 years. Now I asked that you might just bless this sermon, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 28. For this, for then must he offer suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed to man once to die, but after that, after this, the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Notice, especially those words, unto them that look for him, shall it appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I thought about it when I got called to preach at 32 years old. When God called me to preach in the woods and he's filled me with the power of God. A lot of preachers don't know what that is to be filled with the power of God. He told me to go to college and I went to college one year a little over in Louisiana, and then in Streetport Baptist College, Mama Baptist College. Them old preachers tried to teach us something, and I thank God for them. I didn't agree with them all the way. And most of the ones that taught us smokes, and some of them had girlfriends, and they were married. And I didn't agree with that, but they was good teachers. I enjoyed that. So I began to study about the second coming of Christ, and through these years I delighted again and again and again at the blessed truth of the coming of our great Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. I am looking for Jesus to come. I believe in it bodily, personal, visible, in return of the Lord Jesus Christ back to this earth again. I believe the angels are right when they said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as we have seen him go into heaven. Acts 1 and 11. In John 14, 2 and 3, he said, I believe Jesus when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, that you may be also in John 14, 2 and 3.
And this doctrine has become a real vital part of my ministry. And any church which is going to be a spirit lighthouse for Jesus Christ must of necessity grasp this wonderful truth of the immense return of our Savior for his own. And I trust that you will make this a part of your life. And as we serve the Lord here together, whether it be for a long period or short period, that we will make this constant looking for Christ to come in the cloud of glory, a real part of our church life and of our own personal life. For I believe he's coming. He's going to come again. And I hope you will understand this. I have gotten a reputation in being one of the most, those preachers who emphasize maybe a little too much. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm getting that kind of reputation around the country that I preach on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you get excited about something, it is rather difficult not to say something about it. As one of the secretaries said recently, you know, you only ever get through a sermon without mentioning something about the coming of Christ. I said, thank you. She said, what for? I said, I appreciate the comment. Compliment. I appreciate it for he is going to come again. It is going to get some people, even some church members, unprepared and unaware. And since he is going to come again, I am due to mount as a preacher of the gospel of Christ to remind you of his coming. I want you to put that in briefing. Put that in your heart and soul. He's coming back. Now I want to answer some questions that always ask about the coming of Christ. Wildly first, what good does it do to look for Jesus to come? What does the second coming do for a child of God? What will it do for you to be looking for the coming of the Lord Christ in the clouds of glory? Suppose that you do get this thing in your life. Suppose that in your part, your life becomes a vital part, and every day you live expecting Jesus Christ to come at any moment. At any time, Jesus could come in the cloud of glory and receive his saints up to heaven to be with him in the air. What should you do about it? He's going to come. What are you Christians commanding the word of God to do about it? coming in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are several things we should do. Preaching his coming. Preach his coming in the first place. We're commanded by God to preach on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 through 15. It says that we are to look constantly for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on down to verse 15 to say these things to speak. Now the book of Titus written to a young preacher. Paul the age was written to one of his ministerial students, one of the young preachers. And Paul said, Titus, I always, always look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of my great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 15. In verse 15, Titus, these things speak. We have a command from God to 
preach on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The old preachers of old times used to preach the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we younger preachers need to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ. See, we're commanded to preach the coming of Christ. You should, you would be surprised how many Christians in America, born again, God-fearing, Christ-loving people, who know the Bible concerning virgin birth, the new birth, the Bethlehem story, the life of Jesus Christ, the story of the vessels, the book of Acts, and other things in the Bible. How many hundred thousand Christians who know all the rest of the Bible, know little or nothing about this wonderful truth that is coming to my Savior now. The reason is, we have silence our pulpits on preaching about the return of Christ. This is not part of my sermon, but I throw it in. Many churches, many denominations, and many preachers have taken certain Bible truths and have perverted them. You take on the subject of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it goes to subject speaking in other tongues and other doctrines in the Bible. And this is also the doctrine of the coming of Jesus Christ. Many have perverted it. Date setters, time setters, people who spend too much time among the signs and less time on the coming. George Ross, I am not criticizing all the George Ross, but those who are only chalk drawers, people who read the book of Revelation like a math, math book, instead of a love story, people who have perverted the gospel have made Many of us Baptists shy away from preaching his return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to. And I, shall I say, cheat, but I'm not going to, shall I say, cheat you out of this wonderful doctrine. I trust it will be a part of you, and so I am commanded to preach it. Two preachers were talking. One was a preacher believed the coming of Christ. One did not. One preacher said to the other, the difference in you and me is that I just don't preach on this coming of Christ. And you do. The other preacher answered quickly, no sir, that isn't the difference in you and me. The difference is that I am doing what God said to do and you are not. God plainly said to young preachers, these things speak, we must of necessity preach about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing we are to be concerned about attitude toward his coming is that we are to look for his coming. Hebrews nine twenty eight said unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and salvation to them that what? To them that look. That word is an interesting word is to gaze. Actually to gaze. We constantly look for the coming of Christ. My Bible says unto them that look for him, to them that gaze on him, to them that gaze in the sky for him too, them that look constantly, expectantly, lovingly, wishfully toward the sky, look behind every cloud to see if Jesus is behind that cloud. Shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation? Other them that look for him, you need to be looking for Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Whether you believe it or not, he's coming back. He's coming back. You ain't got to worry about it. He's coming. I dare you to start looking for Christ to come. 
I dare you to make it a vital part of your life. Do you want your life to be clean and pure? Do you want to give up some sins? Do you want to go to places that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to watch what you read? Do you want to watch, be careful about your habits? Do you want to be careful about the things you do? The places you go, then you may get your habit to do what the Bible says. Look, gaze longingly upward towards the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to look for his coming. You and I recall when we were little children, and our mom and daddy left once they wouldn't come back. Well, I was always looking for my daddy and my mama to bring me something. And if they didn't, I'd be dis disappointed. I'm looking for Jesus coming on that white horse. The same is true with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for my mom and my daddy when they come back from town to bring me something. What are we surprised to do? Look, we are what are we supposed to do? Look, we are supposed to keep our eyes heavenly. Every day should be a part of, our, of your life to look up and think of the coming of the Lord Jesus. What if it were today? Are you ready? There's something else we need to do. We are to preach it. We are to look for it. And in the third place, we are to pray for His coming. Our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And for Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you look for what does this mean? Come back, Jesus, and establish your kingdom. We're tired of running the world without you. I am saying when God's people get excited over the kingdom of Jesus Christ, as they do over a president and a vice president, we need to get excited. As excited about the coming king. And we look for him, long for him, even pray for him. People in America will believe what we pray and believe what we say. We believe our country is dying for Christianity, Christians who are constantly as citizens of Christ's kingdom and pray thy kingdom come. Revelation 22, 17 is very interesting. I've preached on it many times. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that hear my say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And this verse means, of course, that the Spirit of God says, Come to Jesus. And the bride says, Come to Jesus. And those who hear say, Come to Jesus. But I remind you of this, the book of Revelation is a prophetic book, a book about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when we close the book in Revelation 22, 20, even so, come, Lord Jesus, it means this. The Holy Spirit says, Come, Jesus. The bride says, Come, Jesus. Him that hears it say, Come, Jesus. We join that great heavenly chant and earthly chant, constantly saying, Come, 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 Jesus, come. And that is what we are supposed to do. Pray for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's people could get as excited about Christianity as they can about scoring a touchdown on a football field? Wouldn't that be wonderful? What we ought to do, the Bible says, is shout. About the time his touchdown is about to be scored on 10 yards on a football game. The cheerleaders get those through his microphone and start shouting, go, 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 go. Before long, the band is drumming the same thing. The brass drum is hitting it, and the band is chatting it. Then student body go, go, go. Then all the fans go, 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 find that band go with it. And it goes across the land, go, go, why? Wouldn't it be one of those gods? People would get as excited about Christianity. Going to touchdown on a football field. Wouldn't that be wonderful? What we ought to do, the Bible says it's about the Spirit says come. The Bible says come, and wasn't him that heard it say come. Whosoever will, join in and say come, come, come. The very heartbeat of the Christian ought to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on from heaven, Jesus, come back and get me. This old sense, cursed world, this old world of pain, sorrow, and sickness, and death, and heartache, and Come back to get me. Come back and receive me. Come back and make me, take me home to heaven. That ought to be constant chant of every born-again child of God. Come and so we ought to pray for it. We should preach it. We should look for it. We should pray for it. John closes the Bible with the last prayer in the Word of God by saying, Then the other said, okay, try it. He said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. This other fellow said, okay, you win, you win. Then the last prayer in the Bible is not the Lord's prayer. Last prayer in the Bible is not, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer in the Bible is not praying for the Holy Ghost. Last prayer in the Bible is not praying for daily bread. Last prayer in the Bible is not praying for strength and temptation. Concluding prayer in the Bible this prayer, even though come Lord Jesus, we are commanded to pray for his coming. We should pray, preach it, we should look for it, we should pray for it, then we should love it. Second Timothy 4, 7, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought a good fight, finished my course, I have kept the faith henceforth there laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at this day, and not to me only, but unto all them. Also that love is appearing. To all them that love is appearing, Paul said, Timothy, I am about to be delivered. My fight is over. My course is run. I have kept the fact now I am going to be received by eternal heavenly reward. But he said, I am going to get a crown of righteousness. And he said, Timothy, did you can have moon too. If you love the appearance, love is appearing. This is Reverend Danny Jackson. 
from the First Faith Baptist Church in Rogue, Louisiana, talking to travelers on the radio. We'll let y'all know that you need to get saved if you're not saved. And if you are saved, you need to go to church. And if you don't go to church, you ought to be shaming yourself. <laughs>